Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and we're past episode 600, and we've had the opportunity to do some pretty spicy things here on Pure Dog Talk, and I think today is going to be another one of those conversations that's going to give people something to talk about. So I am excited to be joined by Nikki Holcomb. She is a breeder of American Bullies under the Simply Bullies prefix, and American Bullies are recognized by the United Kennel Club. Yes, Nikki? Yes, ma'am. Since 2013. Okay. So I think the thing that I want to start with is the podcast that we're on here is Pure Dog Talk. So obviously our emphasis is on purebred dogs and that's a thing. And for many of our listeners, breeds like American Bullies or some of the other in their infancy, we'll just say that, breeds are not something that they're as interested in learning about. And I get that. But Nikki made a really great argument to me about some of the things that the American bully breeders, responsible breeders, are working on. And the facts are that all but a very, very limited handful of our breeds today have been created by mankind for some purpose. Companionship is a purpose. I would like to introduce you to the Toy Fox Terrier, for example. So as society moves away from agrarian and hunter-gatherer lives, companion breeds and even new companion breeds are more in demand than ever. And we see this. We see this with the quote-unquote doodle craze, right? Our role as preservation breeders should not, in my opinion, be to shun the creation of new breeds but rather to guide and mentor those who are sincere. And I think that sincere is doing a lot of work in this. And this is why Nikki and I are having this conversation in their goals to responsibly breed these dogs with health testing, with temperament testing, with established breeding goals. And that fits very nicely with some of the stuff that you're talking about, Nikki. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion can give you peace of mind knowing your pet is covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. Even better, Trupanion can pay your veterinarian directly and has no payout limits, so you'll never have to choose between what's best for your pet and what's best for your wallet. And if you're a breeder, you can join Trupanion's free breeder support program and get a special offer to share with your puppy buyers that waives all the waiting periods. So coverage goes into effect immediately. And when I was at the garden this summer, I was hanging out with Trupanion and I got a chance to catch up with Cindy. She's a breeder who's a member of Trupanion's breeder support program. And she shared the following testimonial with us. She said that Trupanion has been the best and saved me thousands of dollars. My puppy buyers love it and I hope they always stick with it. A dog is never going to have an accident on payday. It's always when the money is tight. Cindy, you are dead on about that. 
So take a moment, guys. Sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program now so you and your litters can be prepared for anything. Get started by heading over to my partner page, puredogtalk.com. So welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to have this opportunity to be able to discuss what American Bully's purpose is and the things that we're doing to try and make sure that the breed is bred responsibly and ethically and that things are being done as you would hope within purebred dogs. Okay. Well, let's do it. Let's dive right in. Talk to us about American Bullies. Talk to us about when this breed was envisioned and created and how it was created and why it was created. It's all you, girl. So the American Bully is a companion breed. A lot of people, when they see them, will immediately question that. They're like, are you sure these are dogs in the companion group? Even when we're at dog shows, we're standing ringside, and they're like, are you sure you're at the, wrong, the right ring? And I'm like, I'm absolutely positive. And it's surprising to people, I think, to see a big, bulky dog beside a little Bichon or a little toy poodle or whatnot. And they're like, well, we just really don't understand. And that's valid. But I think that American bullies fill a really important spot. There are people out there that want to have a bigger dog a little bit bigger than medium size that can do all of the really fun sports, but they really don't want a working dog, or maybe they don't want the attitude of a terrier, or they don't want to deal with the baying of a scent hound or the quirks that come with a sight hound, you know, whatever it may be, but they want a sport dog or they want a dog that can go on three mile hikes with them or go swimming at the lake. And they're like, well, do I get a small dog or do I just go with some of the things I don't enjoy as much? And I think American bullies kind of fill that space really well. They're very easy to train. They're very biddable. They're incredibly handler oriented. They're absolutely in love with their people to the point where they've never met a stranger. Protective is definitely not on their list. A lot of people will see them and they're like, oh, they're guardians. They're 100% not guardians. They're not going to protect you. That burglar coming in the house, their best friend. They've never met a stranger. They're super outgoing. They're fun loving and they love to try everything. You know, anything you go to do they're excited to do it. We've tried dog diving. We've done barn hunt. We've done lure coursing. We've done weight pull. We have dogs that have went very successfully in rally obedience and formal obedience. I mean, we've tried just about every sport there is with them and our dogs have been absolutely 100% willing to do it and ready to excel at it. We get a lot of questionable looks when we're in the obedience ring. They're like, well, I've always heard that bulldog breeds are kind of dumb. You know, they're not really very quick. And I'm like, well, there are some slow things about them, but they work incredibly hard to learn from you. They want to do what you want. They want to please you. They're very forgiving. They're definitely one of the most forgiving breeds I've ever seen. We can make so many mistakes and they still come back and are ready to try it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think all of these things wrap them up into being the ultimate companion, a dog that can hang out on the couch with you when you're having an off day. You know, I think a lot of people are like, I want a dog that I can seriously compete with in weight pool or in lure coursing or whatever it may be. But I also don't have time for a dog that's extremely high energy. Well, the American bully can hang out on the couch with you for four days in a row with very minimal exercise. And then on that fifth day, when you decide you're gonna go take a three mile hike, they're just as ready to do that. It's really interesting to be able to see a dog that is a true couch potato while at the same time having the ability to really do those sports. You know, they have that, I can go out and do whatever you want. And most breeds just, they don't really have that, especially their founding breeds, which the official listing of founding breeds for the American Bully are the M-Staff, so the American Staffordshire Terrier, mm-hmm. the American Pitbull Terrier, mm-hmm. Old English Bulldog, English Bulldog, and then there is an undetermined handful of other Bulldog breeds that kind of went into creation that give them the unique look that they have. 
I mean, that is a fascinating list of breeds, right, that was used to create the American bully. So my question is, why? I mean, I think that's sort of a question that we ask ourselves a lot. Why create this particular breed? What was it about sort of those founding breeds that the American bully creators didn't have? Like, why did they see this? What was their vision that made this breed? Mm -hmm. So most of the founders, most of the beginning breeders were really interested in American Pitbull Terriers and Amstaff. Some of them were already involved in those breed communities, and they really enjoyed those breeds for all of their different traits. You know, the lovingness of an American Pitbull Terrier, the perseverance, the willingness to do anything for their owners, you know, many of those fantastic traits, but there were also traits that just did not fit with what they were seeing for a companion breed. We're talking dog aggression, high drive, things that are just really not going to be what you envision for a young family or even a first-time dog owner. You know, most of us are not going to recommend an American Pitbull Terrier or even an Amstaff to a first-time dog owner. So then they were like, how do we tone this down? How do we get a little bit more family-friendly calm dog and then you look at bulldog breeds and you say okay the old english bulldog it's a guardian breed do we feel like a first-time pet owner can handle a guardian breed do you feel like an old english bulldog is really set for a family with young children we know some of them are fantastic companions but they're also a guardian breed when it comes down to it Mm -hmm. Um, so there are traits in there that just don't fit ultimate companion and then if we look at the english bulldog they're great companions they're awesome little dogs but they do come with a lot of limitations they have health issues they definitely are very brachycephalic they don't breathe too well they're definitely not a dog you're going to take on a three mile hike with you so they've seen traits from each of these breeds that could go into making this dog that could just be the all-around perfect companion but then there were traits within each of these breeds that just held it up a little bit too short, whether it was dog aggression or being a guardian breed that isn't great for a family life or health issues, different things that just really held it up from being that ultimate companion that would be your couch potato and your sport dog. So I think they really took traits from each of these breeds and really focused on making a dog that could be calm enough and low drive enough to be with a young family with young kids or even a first-time pet owner removing a lot of the dog aggression to the point where we do not want to see any dog aggression in American bullies at all we don't want to see prey drive you should be able to have your American bully with anything and everything they should be gentle with children they should be biddable easy companions there shouldn't be anything that makes them difficult for a first-time pet owner these are really important traits for this breed that I feel like the founding breeds just maybe fell a little bit short on not saying these breeds aren't all absolutely amazing and we do see a lot of traits from those within our bullies we actually were recently in perry georgia and there was an american pitbull terrier specialty there and it was very interesting to see all of these american pitbull terriers right alongside our american bullies and you could absolutely see the resemblances and the trait similarities and then at the same time you could definitely see the differences too you know when we were standing by the weight pool ring everybody would say okay bringing in an American Pitbull Terrier. This one is DA. Back up. Everybody move. Carry the dog in. Let it pull. Bring it back out. Whereas the bullies laid ringside the entire time. They hung out with us. They watched everything pull. Everything walked right by them. No fussing. No fit. They did really well. And I feel like that's really the difference. A dog that can do all these fun things with you that can also just be a happy, calm, fun-loving dog. They're very clownish. They're very gentle. They're gentle giants in a way. And I really think that that's what they have that a lot of these founding breeds just kind of missed the mark on when it came to companions, which makes sense because most of those breeds are not companion breeds. (laughs) Right. 
And it goes back to the point that I made at the top, that society changes. And I think that when we talk about purebred dogs being living history, in some cases that history is still being made. And there are different needs in today's society than there were 100 or 200 years ago. And that is a valid observation when coupled with what you were talking to me about in our email conversation, which is the idea of responsible and sensible breeding. So talk to us about some of those challenges and ways in which the existing purebred dog community could be helpful in developing your breed in a responsible way. So one of the biggest challenges I would say that this breed is facing right now is the absolute overrun amount of backyard breeders. We have so many people that when they hear the word American bully, they think of this absolutely hideous dog with very serious structural issues that's being peddled by somebody on social media for an astronomical amount of money. They think of bad breeding and these horrible shows where everybody's loud and fighting and just really negative visions of this breed. And it really is unfortunate because there is a community while it's small right now, of people that are trying to help this breed not only grow and have all these wonderful traits that it has, but do so in a responsible way. Health testing is extremely important to us because, as we said, you know, we don't want to have health issues. If this dog is going to be the ultimate companion, it needs to be able to last with that family for that full 10 to 12 years without being uncomfortable in how it moves, with not being able to breathe or having a heart condition. These are all really important things to us. And I think it's really important right now for us that we have more experienced breeders help us continue guiding this breed on the proper path. Most of the people within the small community of ethical and responsible American bully breeders are very young. I'm not even 30 myself, and I was only just barely slightly in purebred dogs before I started with American bullies. So all the knowledge I have came from everybody else. You know, we really want to see more mentors and more people say, hey, we like what you're doing. We want to help you to do this the right way. One big thing that we're trying really hard for right now is our National Breed Club. Right. As of right now, I'm going to go to that. So talk to me about that and ideas that you have within your, what you would think of as your responsible breeder community, right? How do you build that? How do you grow enthusiasm for your breed? How do you balance that with trying to put guardrails around some of the breeders that you don't think are as responsible? It's definitely been a challenge. I do feel like the National Breed Club is very, very important. We really need them to be able to help solidify our standard. We need to be able to set forth health guidelines. You know, we do not have a chick number currently. It would be very helpful if we could send people a link and say, this is the required health testing. This is breed information. You know, just being able to get the group of people together has been difficult because, as you said, we kind of have to put those guardrails up to protect against the breeders that are a little less responsible than what we are really going for, which has made the breed club take a little bit longer. We have a really dedicated, very small, it's less than 30 people group kind of working towards this national. 30 people working in the same direction. That's as good as many breed clubs and much more established breeds. So you guys are doing good. Doing good. Yeah. We've taken our time. We made sure to get people with different views, different areas across the country to try and bring together a group of people that love the breed and want to see what's best for it, not necessarily what's best for themselves. We're pretty far in. We're going to be working on a national breed club underneath the United Kennel Club because they're, I feel, the most reputable club that recognizes us. Mm -hmm. We do have a parent club called the ABKC. I'm not involved in any of the beginning of that, but I know a lot of great people are. 
I don't know how involved they want to be in a national breed club, so we're not sure on that end. But we're definitely going to be working more towards the UKC. They did tell us, you know, we want the American Bully to have a home and to have responsible breeders, a place where you can show and do things. And we've done a lot with them. We're nearing the title requirement. I think it's 200 titles and 150 bread buys. We've already blown past 150 bread buys within the 30 people in the club and have almost reached the 200 title limit. So we're working really hard to give our breed a place to really look forward to and to learn from. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin'. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck 99, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, If you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. How long have you guys been working on this project? A little over a year. There was a previous attempt with a national breed club, and unfortunately it fell apart due to human error and drama. We kind of picked up the pieces of that previous attempt about a year ago and started. We voted in our board members and started really behind the scenes working towards it. We've not opened it up for membership yet. It's just our small group of 30 working really hard to get these restrictions and requirements finished so that we can actually get it into practice. And I mean, do you have like a, when did the American bully start to be something that the founders were envisioning? When did that start? So the American bully is probably began around, I'd say around 1990s. The few founding people first started kind of coming in and whatnot, but it didn't really start solidifying and becoming its own breed until the beginning of the 2000s. They were accepted by the United 2013, and it was a very, very baby breed at that point. We're still very baby now. We're really just now in the past five years or so seeing any form of consistency and being able to really say, okay, this is an American bully. People are really starting to recognize what they are and starting to see more of them at shows. When they were first accepted by the United Kennel Club, you might see two American bullies, period, ever. Now you'll see 10 to 11 per show. In the beginning, a lot of the judges would have to ask us, they'd be like, what breed is this? 
and now they actually know breed and the breed standard and they're doing awesome about learning about them and helping us to kind of improve them as we go. Very cool. And tell us what is the, I mean, just basically the breed standard, size, coat, all the things. So our desired size is between 16 to 17 inches. They can come slightly under that and they can come slightly above that. Height is not a restriction. I personally have quite a few that are a little under that. I think that size is a little bit more manageable for most families. Currently within the United Kennel Club standard, we do not have any varieties, but within the parent club, the ABKC, they do have four varieties. So it can get a little confusing when you have dogs that are showing in both of these registries and they range in size so much. Mm -hmm. If the National Breed Club does get off its feet, we will push for probably two varieties, you know, just to give maybe an over under or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. They come anywhere from 15 inches and up, we usually see, but that 16 to 17 is the desired range. Weight can range anywhere from 35 pounds up to 65, depending on how tall. Obviously, they're meant to be very proportionate. Mm -hmm. They're meant to be well angulated in the front and the rear. We like full tails, scissor bite is preference. In our parent club, underbite is acceptable up to one-fourth, but in the United Kennel Club, it is an eliminating fault, which can be another kind of confusing thing when you're showing in both registries. In one registry, it's allowed. In the other registry, it's a no. Color-wise, standardization, you're going to start needing to yes, see, right? Exactly. We would really like to have a more solid standard that is not so confusing. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think we have 22 eliminating faults within the United Kennel Club, which is a massive amount of, a and it's all very contradicting and confusing. It's really hard for judges sometimes to be like, you have so many eliminating faults. And I'm like, I understand. So that's one of the things we really want to solidify, make sure that these standards make sense across all registries so that we're not ending up with a dog that might do really well in one registry and not even be able to title in another. We don't want to see that kind of thing. Another big controversial thing is color. Right now, all colors are accepted with both registries except for Merle. Merle is the only BQ color within our breed, and there are quite a few breeders out there trying to introduce Merle in. As of right now, it is a DQ color in both registries. Then when it comes to movement, they should be able to move. A lot of people will say, okay, well, will they move like a bulldog? You know, is this going to be a double tracking breed like a French bulldog? Is this going to be a rolling gait? What are we looking for? But they should be able to move nicely like an American Pitbull Terrier would or like an Amstaff would. They're quite a bit heavier in mass and bone than an Amstaff would be, but they should still have that nice movement, the nice reach and drive. When you look at an American Bully in the ring, you should get the feeling of a powerful dog that has a zest for life that is capable. You shouldn't look at them and feel like they're maybe going to fall over any minute. They should really be happy and outgoing. They should be absolutely in love with everything. They're really a joy to watch because they really are having a blast just walking around in a circle. They love it. Mm We should definitely see nice straight front feet, no towing in or out, no weak pasterns, nothing of that nature, straight hawks in the rear, no cow hawks, no converging in the rear, nice straight top line. Uh, slightly sloping top line is allowed in the parent club registry, but it's not allowed in UKC. So that's another one of those things that's, right. yeah, some of them are sloping, some of them don't want it. It can get confusing when it comes to, to do on life. that. <laughs> Definitely to help it be a little less confusing and contradictory. Sure, sure. And cropped, uncropped, both, neither? Both are allowed. Cropped is definitely preferred. I feel like I've shown many cropped dogs. I've shown many uncropped dogs. It is definitely a cropped breed. Natural ears are allowed within the show ring unless they are bat ears. So if they're upright and rounded at the top, it is considered a DQ fault in the UKC. 
So all ear sets are acceptable except for bad ears. Most of them you will see are going to be cropped. Um, natural tails, no docking, but definitely going to be cropped. There's a wide range of crops depending on the breeder. You'll see anywhere from a nice shorter show crop all the way up to a long crop, depending. Interesting. And is that something that you anticipate being able to dial in as you nail down the breed standard and sort of develop that recognized mm -hmm. type? Yeah, I think one of the big concerns when it comes to ear set is because 90% of them are cropped, most breeders don't even really know what ear sets they're working with. They crop them as soon as they're old enough. So then if they leave one uncropped, they might have fully erect ears or they might have a nice rose ear. They really are unsure. So I'm not positive that we will restrict ear set a lot just because I know that most lines, nobody's going to have any clue what the ears look like uncropped. I definitely think the cropped preference is going to remain. It just looks much cleaner, much nicer, really holds together their entire look. I do think that we should remove bad ears as a DQ solely because I feel like anything that we can cosmetically fix probably shouldn't be a disqualifying fault because I could take a puppy with bad ears and just crop it and then show it. So it seems silly that something we can make go away remains a DQ. A fault would be a better wording for that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So what do you see as the health tests that you'll want to put in for your standard? That's one question. Second question, what are specific areas, if people out there in listener land have interest or desire to help, you know, mentor your new club, mentor your new breed, etc. What are some of your wish list items, I guess? So when we originally started health testing our dogs, the list of health tests that we wanted to do, we pulled from all of the founding breeds. We basically took all of the recommended testing for the American Pitbull Terrier, the Amstaff, the Old English Bulldog, the English Bulldog, and started doing all of those. It's a pretty long list when you put all of those together. Yeah. So we have over the past 10 years or so, we've mostly whittled it down to a handful of tests. And those would be either pin hip or OFA hips. It's a big one. Right now, our breed has a less than 50% passing rate for OFA, oh. and our breed average for pin hip is 0.57. So not really great in the hip area. We definitely would like to see that improve. So it's a very important test. OFA elbows is the, probably the number two one for me. We've got about a 50%. Sometimes it's a little higher depending on the year for elbows. So we would definitely, those two are very important. Next on the list was OFA advanced cardiac specifically advanced, not just basic. We would like to see echocardiograms done on the dogs to make sure that we are seeing heart-healthy dogs. There are some lines out there that are definitely failing cardiac and just not submitting it. So right now it looks like we have great cardiac scores through OFA, but unfortunately that's not the case. Right. Then the lesser testings that we also like to do are a genetic panel. Embark is a great one. We love Embark. If not Embark, at least a full panel through paw print or Gensole or something of that nature. It needs to, at the very least, include CRD4 and NCL4, CRD1. Anything that we test Amstaffs for, we really want to see bullies being tested for genetic panel-wise as well. And then Patellas. Right now we have a 100% pass rate for Patellas, but I still feel like it's important. The American Bully has a 100% pass rate on shoulders, so we may eventually feel that's not as important, but because they are so heavy, I think it needs to stay on the list for sure. Okay. And then when it comes to a wish list for more experienced breeders, I think the top is definitely mentors. People to just come in and say, you know, I've been where you are. I was part of the creation of my breed or I was around from the beginning and here's things that I wish that I knew or here's things that I wish I had done. 
because we're definitely starting completely from scratch. You know, we have a couple breeders involved that are from other breeds. We have a really fantastic boxer breeder involved in that, trying to help us and whatnot. And her knowledge has been absolutely invaluable. It has been so helpful. And so people that can come in and say, you know, I've been where you are. Here's what I would do. Here's something I would definitely avoid doing. That's really important. People that know a lot about health statistics, you know, they can say, hey, we see that this is where you are with hips. Here's what we would do to breed for better. Here's what we would do to improve on this. Or here's what we would recommend. And then people to really, I think, just help get involved. A lot of the issue with American Bullies is, like I said, a lot of bad breeders, a lot of backyard breeders, people that really don't know what they're doing, people that get into breeding these dogs with zero experience in being a breeder. So the more people with responsible hands that we can get American Bullies to, the better. People that are willing to show what they can be or willing to help kind of guide the breed where it should be is definitely at the top of our wish list when it comes to outside help. Excellent. Okay. Well, I tell you what, Nikki, this is a fascinating conversation and we might get a little blowback. Never know. Could happen. But you know what? Here's what I think. I think that anybody who's willing to do anything in a responsible manner deserves to get to do their dream. And I really, truly believe that the only way that we as dog breeders survive is that we stand together and not poke fingers and dismiss others. So, Mr. Land, hear me on this one, all right? You don't have to get an American bully, but you have to respect the people that are trying hard to do it right. And I have mad props for that. Thank you. And we're definitely, we see the downsides, you know, the breeders that are not doing it right. We see the people that are definitely dropping the ball and we're trying to ensure that at least with our program and every program involved within this effort is doing things to the utmost of our ability. We're making sure the health tests are done. We're making sure we're doing temperament tests. We actually had one of the first American bullies to be tested by the American Temperament Test Society. We're trying to push to get them multiple titles and get them out there to be seen and really show that we're going to push as hard as possible to do this the best way possible. I love it. All right. Well, Nikki, I wish you all the very best. Make sure all your breeders are listening to Pure Dog Talk. That's my best recommendation. (laughs) Absolutely. We do. We recommend you all the time. And listeners, if anyone is interested, we'll have contact information, photos, links, all kinds of stuff on the blog post on the website for you guys. And check back with me, Nikki. Keep me posted. I will. Thank you so much for the opportunity. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 